Hi there! Welcome to the Healing Unscripted podcast, where we talk about all of the complicated, beautiful, infuriating aspects of healing. I'm Megan, and I am so glad you're here. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Healing Unscripted podcast. I am so excited about this episode today because we are doing an interview with the one and only only Sadie from Your Social Anxiety Bestie. She is a good friend of mine personally, but she also runs a stellar Instagram account and her own podcast, also called Your Social Anxiety Bestie. And we are so lucky to have her here on the show today. So let's jump on into it. All right. Hi there, Sadie. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. I have wanted to have you on the podcast for a while, but I was having some imposter syndrome about (laughs) interviewing people. So we're going to talk about imposter syndrome today. But before we jump into all of that, um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So uh, we connected over Instagram originally. Uh, On Instagram, I'm at your social anxiety bestie and Your Social Anxiety Bestie is the name of my podcast. Also, it just hit 30 episodes, which is pretty cool. It's growing. Um, And it's all about partly just sharing my own experience of overcoming. I mean, I'm still in the process of overcoming it, but overcoming social anxiety and perfectionism a little bit and sharing what I've learned in therapy and just with the work that I've done personally. Um, Just like encouraging people to show up scared for things so that eventually it can be a little less scary and I just launched a book club called the socially awkward book club on patreon and I'm super excited about that and Me too. Yeah. I'm a member now and I'm very excited for the first yes book. I wasn't I wasn't gonna out you as a member unless you volunteered <laughs> but I'm so happy that you joined <laughs> me too I'm very excited for it yeah so that's that's kind of where I hang out online for now That's awesome. So today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome and I don't know about you, but I sort of hate that term because it makes it sound very mild and simple and straightforward when really I think imposter syndrome is based in some really deep rooted, painful stuff. Mm. Um, and it can be very debilitating. Like I would argue that it is sometimes it can be mild, but sometimes it can be a really big problem, uh, especially when you're trying something new. Yeah, for sure. Like it can, I feel like it can, it can morph. Sometimes it's just like background noise and there's just general sense of being an imposter in your life. And then if you're trying to do something new and big, then it's, it's like big and in your face. And for me, it always, it's always, it always surfaces as who am I to insert thing. It doesn't matter what the thing is. I will always have that initial, who am I to try to do this thing reaction. Absolutely. And that leads perfectly into my first question for you, which is like, can you describe what imposter syndrome feels like for you? So how does it feel in your body? How does it sound in your head? Hmm. Um, So you've said the, who am I to do this? Um, And that's a common thought for you, but are there other thoughts? Are there body feelings? Oh, that's a good question. Body feelings. I usually intellectualize everything and I am kind of (laughs) detached and and unaware when it comes to my body. So I'll start with the intellectualizing one because that's what comes most readily. And and like, I wonder to what extent it's connected to social anxiety. Cause like, I know that anybody 
can have imposter syndrome. Probably everybody has felt it at some point, but does social anxiety exacerbate it? I would think probably yes, because it's a feeling that like, in some way, I am not qualified to do this. And this could even, could be something as basic as like being a human in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a fraud mm-hmm. and someone's going to find out. So I can't put myself out there too much. Like I have, I can put myself out there in certain safe, constrained ways, but, but like, I'm actually a fraud. So let's, let's keep some limits on how much I do. It's like a, it's like a, a leash. I guess is the image that is such what an image yeah really strong one that I'm learning to to break it and stretch it maybe leash I don't know maybe there could be a better metaphor but leash is the one that came to mind Mm -hmm. and then for the body that's that's interesting I think it's like a mix of fear and shame like hidden shame trying to hide something like hide a lack of something. I'm worried that if I put myself out there, the thing that I'm putting myself out there to do is actually not there inside me. Like there's actually nothing there. I can't back it up. I think that's how, that's not a body feeling again. I went to the intellectualizing again. Interesting. (laughs) I'm going to have to reflect on the body thing. Yeah. I just was wondering if there were feelings in your body, because that's something my therapist asks me a lot. Like, how does that feel in your body? And it's like, I don't know, Pam, like, (laughs) Um, but anyway, I I love that you bring up the fact that it feels like a lack of something, because I think so often when people try to help us with imposter syndrome, it's like, you're not going to mess up. You're going to be fine. It's like, no, I'm not worried. I'm going to actively do something wrong. I'm worried. I'm not going to actively do something right. Mm, Yes. Yes. Because it's like, not yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not there yet. I don't know enough yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's not there yet. Can I ask, and it's okay if you don't have an answer to this, but (laughs) when you experience imposter syndrome and you're feeling that not yet feeling, what is it you think you're waiting for? Mm. I think I'm, it's like trying to cross a finish line, even though in my brain, I know the finish line isn't there. It's like, it's an always moving finish line. But if I can get to that finish line and cross it, I will be qualified enough to do the thing. And I will know enough to do the thing. Mm -hmm. But the only way to get to the finish line is to do the thing. So it's almost like instead of running to the finish line, you're trying to move the finish line to where you are. Yeah. I like that. But I mean, as long as you're running, you're still making progress. It just, hopefully that feeling will get a little bit quieter. Mm-hmm. And it has gotten better. It's just every time I want to level up on something, I think it comes back. Absolutely. I feel that way too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that sort of leads me to my, my next question, which was, um, what are like your top three areas of your life that mm. you tend to experience imposter syndrome? Okay. Well, the first two that come up are motherhood, uh, work. Yeah. <laughs> motherhood and work. And then... I don't know. The other one is kind of like a changing, changing spot. It could be feeling like not feeling like a good enough friend or a true friend or yeah, I could like, or like even, even simple things like I'm a fraud at taking care of my house. I don't have good flower beds. Like 
<laughs> like <laughs> smaller things. <laughs> but the motherhood and the work pieces are the big ones. Um, especially like I am a, a mother, but there's no qualification to become a mother, except they give you a kid or like you create one. So I guess I'm, I'm not an imposter in that sense, but there's also not a certification program to become a mom. So I don't, I don't have that piece of paper that my brain can be like, oh, okay, you know how to do the thing. Well, yeah. And there's a difference between being a mom and being a good mom. Exactly. Good mom feels very elusive. Like anybody could be a mom, but am I a good mom? Yeah. And what does that look like? Cause that's different for everybody at different stages and different kids need different kinds of good moms. Um, Although as soon as I said the thing about having a piece of paper, I realized that even the things that I have paper for, like I have a translation degree, I still don't really feel qualified in those areas. So I think it's just more of a pervasive imposter syndrome to, to chip away at. Yeah. So that makes me wonder, what do we do about imposter syndrome? If the answer isn't well, just become more qualified and you'll feel better because clearly mm-hmm. that's not the answer. We, like you said, we have these sheets of paper, yeah. we have this proof that we're good enough in theory. Mm-hmm. What, like you said, your imposter syndrome has actually been getting better, which is amazing. Um, what has been helping you? Hmm. Honestly, it's been, I think this is how it ties back into anxiety. Like not waiting to feel ready anymore, not waiting to feel unafraid, just showing up and doing the thing while feeling like an imposter, while feeling afraid. That's the only way through, that's the only way through. Like, because like, I think having a name for it, knowing that this is imposter syndrome, a lot of people experience this. It lets you detach yourself a bit from it and say, okay, So maybe it's not true. Like maybe it's not completely true. Sure, there's areas that I could develop in, but it's not like black and white. Like I'm just completely an incompetent imposter. I think think that's what's been working for me, shifts like that. Finding your way into those gray areas. Yeah, I would say that. And and the showing up, showing up unready, showing up unprepared, showing up, messy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. There, I think that's the best way to handle imposter syndrome, at least in my experience. Like I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome when I became a mental wellness coach, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not a therapist. What am I doing? And it's like, well, you're not claiming to be a therapist. So I think good there, but it still was like all of this fear of like, who, like you said, who am I to, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who am I to mess with people's mental health? What if I make it worse? Um, and basically discounting all of the experience I have gained over the last like six or seven years, being in therapy myself, reading 18 million self-help books, uh, doing the work. And it's like all of that went out the window as soon as it came to applying that knowledge to somebody else and helping mm-hmm. someone else. And I think part of what helped get me through that um, was making it less about me and more about other people, uh, which I think can be tricky with social anxiety because (laughs) 
based on, you know, our conversations we've had in the past, so often social anxiety makes your entire existence about how others see you. And so I think that might be tricky for some people with social anxiety, but for me, it was helpful to say, okay, okay. I'm having all of these hangups, but what about that woman who's sitting there at home needing help with this thing? Mm -hmm. And I can help her. I know I can help her. Like if we were just to sit down and get coffee and I didn't have to put all this pressure of like, am I a coach? Am I not a coach? Like, am I qualified? Am I not qualified? If we just sat down and talked, I know I could help her. I love that. That (laughs) creates wiggle room. Wiggle room. Exactly. You want to create room to breathe because so often imposter syndrome squeezes you and tries to make you feel small. Yeah. And when you're thinking of a specific person that you could help or in a specific example of a person, I think you can shift who am I to, it could become, well, I am someone who could. Yes. I love that transition. I love it. Yeah. You just gave me that in my brain. So (laughs) I call that a (laughs) co-creation. You may not be the perfect. I mean, what is that anyway, but the perfect coach for every single person, but you are someone who can help. Absolutely. And here's like a brief story that might help too. I had a therapist a couple of years back. She was pivotal for my mental health. She was the person who helped me realize that my symptoms were not out of the blue, that they were trauma-based and it was huge for me. Absolutely huge. And she was terrible at the same time. What? (laughs) So important and so helpful but our relationship ended very poorly because she behaved poorly because wow. she was bad at her job. But I would still go back to that therapist if I had to do it over because otherwise who knows where I would be right now. Sometimes wow. you just have to be good enough. And even if you mess it up catastrophically, like this woman did, you know, it could still be, you could still be hugely important in somebody's life. That is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a story for another perfect... time. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to hear that story from you. But there is not one perfect way to help people, maybe. There's lots of different ways to help. And that particular example, it still got you the transformation, I guess, even if it didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she could have helped so much more if it weren't for the big blow up and all the stuff that went wrong. But regardless, she she still helped me in a really huge, amazing way. That's awesome. So basically you don't, you don't have to be perfect putting that pressure on yourself. No one is perfect. And even if you mess up horribly, there's a chance you could still really help somebody. And that's, I don't know, something worth holding on to. I think. I really like that. (laughs) Um, so did you have any other thoughts on imposter syndrome in general, anything else you wanted to share with the listeners? Well, I would in case it hasn't been clear in the conversation, just I would want to validate and normalize that if you're feeling imposter syndrome about something, you're not the only one who feels imposter syndrome. I think it's pretty normal to feel that way. Um, But try to create that wiggle room, try to create that space and those shifts where it's not so black and white, where you have to either be the perfect person at this thing with all the papers and qualifications or you cannot help, you are nothing. Like it doesn't have to be either of those things. Mm-hmm. And even someone who has all the qualifications, they probably still want to grow and become a better version of whatever it is that they're doing. So 
yeah, don't necessarily trust that brain bully who's trying to tell you that you're an imposter. I'm speaking to myself at the same time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That should definitely be noted. Uh, if you're listening to this, just know that both of us are talking to each other and to yeah. ourselves and to you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we always end uh, the podcast with a guided meditation, but before we do, um, where can people reach you? I know you mentioned where you are on social media, but are there ways to work with you? Are there ways people can connect? Yeah. Well, I would, anyone who's out there who is socially awkward, socially anxious, and happens to also be bookish, I would love to have you join the socially awkward book club. Gonna the book be we're so reading, fun, guys. Yeah. The book we're reading this club or this month is how to be yourself rise up, uh, quiet your inner critic and rise above social anxiety by Ellen Hendrickson. And it's great. I've learned so much already. And, you know, if you're thinking that sounds cool, but I can't necessarily make it through a whole book every single month, that's fine. Like it's not a fiction book club where if you came to the book chat at the end of the month, you'd have to worry about spoilers. Just come, we'll hang out. We'll talk about whatever theme it is, whether it's social anxiety or inner critics or introversion. And we'll just talk in a socially awkward safe space so if you want to learn about that you can go to your social anxiety bestie.com and i've got lots of different places to to link to it from there and yeah and if you feel like reaching out to me on instagram or or even tiktok i'm on tiktok now apparently <laughs> which is terrifying um i'm pretty active on those platforms too Hey, that is awesome. Yeah. I really hope people join the book club because it's going to be fantastic and so fun. I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. I always love to end these episodes with, um, a guided meditation sort of as a thank you gift to you. Take this moment of peace and let it carry you through the rest of the day. Okay. Let's start by taking a nice deep breath in. And then exhale as slowly as possible. What if you're a fraud? What if you're a failure in disguise as a semi-functional adult? What if your imposter syndrome is actually the truth and the idea that you're doing a good job is actually the lie? What purpose do these what ifs serve? How are they helping you? Part of your brain might be saying, well, they help me see myself as I really am. To which I say, okay, and how does that help you? Again, your brain might say something like, it keeps me safe from judgment or rejection. If I know how awful I am first, then I can stop others from seeing it too. I know this is what my brain tells me. Sometimes these thoughts get me down they make me feel like I'm hopeless and terrible and like I'm going to be trapped in these awful feelings forever. But it could tell me something different. It could tell me that imposter syndrome is protective. Imposter syndrome is this small, scared part of me trying to keep myself safe. I could picture my imposter syndrome as a frightened little deer, hiding in the shadows, looking for her mother, looking for an authority to approve of her, to make her feel protected. In the absence of the mother, the little deer will continue to hide, continue to think she's unsafe, even if there isn't a predator for miles. My little deer is going to be on guard, looking for approval, waiting and waiting, 
And how will I respond? Will I call her imposter syndrome and look at her with disgust, with disdain, with frustration and anger? Or will I call her inner child and look at her with love? Will I be the mother, reach out my hand and guide her to safety? You are not an imposter. Even if you aren't being your true self 100% of the time, that doesn't make you an imposter. That makes you human, complicated and messy and human. Peace be with you.